Hello, it is Thursday, November 15th, 2018 at one o'clock Eastern time, and this is Marketing Live. I am your host, Amy Jorgensen from Georgia State University. Today's live broadcast is Becoming a Social First University, how West Virginia University went from forgotten to followed on social. Five years ago, West Virginia's university's social media accounts were an afterthought and it showed. They wanted to change that. Now they're a leader in higher ed social media. Learn how everything changed and why your university can and should make social media a bigger priority. Marketing Live is a part of a higher ed live network. Our episodes offer you direct access to the best and brightest minds in education. Be a part of our live broadcast by sharing your knowledge. Participate in today's discussion by tweeting us using hashtag higher ed live. All of our episodes are free and easy to access in the video archives at higheredlive.com or take Higher Ed Live with you on the go by subscribing to the podcast. Higher Ed Live is produced by M. Stoner, a digital first agency committed to tailored solutions that drive real results. Are you a marketing or communications professional who works on your institution's website? M. Stoner's Advanced Marketing for Higher Education online conference has something for everyone, especially those of you who wear many hats. You'll walk away with a better understanding of your key audiences, how to create ex exceptional content with better planning, how to move your website from a capital project to an ongoing process, and more. We'll be tweeting out a link to learn more about the conference shortly. I'd like to welcome our guest, Tony Dobies, a social media director from West Virginia University. Welcome, Tony. Hi, thank you. We're so glad you're here. And so anyone who's watching, do not hesitate to ask questions as they come in using hashtag higher ed live, and I'll do my best to submit them to Tony. Let's start off with some questions of my own. So what were the main problems with your previous social media strategy? Like, why did you decide that you needed to change? You know, I, th I think part of this is that we just didn't embrace social media. Um, uh, whenever I came in, we were very robotic. Um, so we basically acted like an RSS feed, which back in the day was not necessarily um, a surprise in higher ed. I think at that point, five or six years ago, um, some universities were still doing that. Um, but some were also stepping up and developing personalities, doing some fun stuff, um, taking a look at what some of the bigger brands around um, the world were doing and, and pivoting and doing things like that. So um, we definitely weren't um, at the time. We were really just putting the headline of a press release and that link um, together in a post. And that was about it. So we repurposed a ton of content. We didn't develop any um, on our own. Um, which to me was um, one of the biggest changes that we we ended up making um, and flipping to that more of a social first approach. But um, to me, it was just um, we didn't have a personality. We didn't um, engage and interact. We didn't do any social listening um, and we didn't create any content on our own. It sounds like it was just pretty stale. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Great. So what platforms is WVU on? So we are on, um, I'll see if I can get this right, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Pinterest. So, and what I would say is our um, primary focus um, is really with recruitment. Um, so we really put a lot of emphasis on the, um, the um, accounts like our, our huge focus in 2018. Um, so, and, and the other one also is YouTube. Um, I, I say this a lot, especially to my team, so they're probably tired of hearing this, but to me, YouTube is the platform that higher ed um, 
utilizes the least um, and does the least with. So um, I think everybody probably has a YouTube channel that they post videos to, um, but it's in the past and still to this day, it's used as a repository of videos. Um, whereas, you know, it, it can be used as a social platform. Um, you can get great engagement, comments, and respond back and forth. Um, your content can be focused around a specific segment. Um, so we know um, how many 13 to 17 year olds use YouTube on a daily basis. Um, and for us, that's, yeah, exactly. Um, and for us, that was a huge signal like, okay, maybe the content that we put together should be focused around that should yeah. be focused around them. Um, so we did, we, we took a, um, all of the videos that wouldn't fit that segment um, and made them private or unlisted and then focused on content moving forward that was just around that 13 to 17 year old audience. So to me, that's like the one platform um, that we've transformed really well over the last three or four years um, that I think higher ed could probably do too. Um, and then the way that my team is um, set up is we manage the main university accounts um, and I have two social media editors and a GA alongside myself that, that handle that. Um, my team also includes um, the undergrad admissions accounts, presidential accounts, um, our health sciences accounts, um, our talent and culture, which is our fancy way of saying HR. And um, we also assist with other um, other accounts around campus help with colleges and schools um, and crisis situations. We um, take control of our university police department's um, accounts as well. So um, we do a lot of different things within our, our team. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a fun, ever-growing team that we have here. Well, and I love that you brought up before that you're using different channels based on who's using them, because I am shocked, and I know I probably shouldn't be, but I'm shocked at how many incoming first years or freshmen that I talk to that are like, I don't have Facebook. I don't use Facebook anymore. That's what my grandma's on. And I'm thinking, man, <laughs> I'm so old. I remember when it came out. Yes. So it's, and so you're exactly right. You have to use Facebook for the parents, but for the students. Yep. That's where social, you know, that's where uh, YouTube is. So tell me a little bit about your YouTube strategy, if that's all right. Yeah, so we have started to really hone in on, and we're not completely there yet, I'll be honest, but um, what what my hope and focus is, is that we can start to build content that looks and feels very much like the stuff that they are watching on a daily basis. Um, so we cannot be like every YouTuber out there, but just because some of the videos ideas just would not work very well for higher ed. Um, but we can treat our videos in a way that we edit and this and the way that we stylize to look and feel like that. Um, so the way that we edit some of the um, the ideas like we have a vlog series that is just focused on YouTube. Um, we created that because we saw daily vloggers become such a big thing um, last year into this year. So there are trends that we're making um, we're moving to try to get to those trends. And in a perfect world, I think we upload um, on YouTube three to five times a week. We are not close to that yet, um, but that's my very lofty goal. Um, at that point then, I think we could really start to see our YouTube channel thrive specifically with that um, audience. So that's kind of where we're, where we're headed with YouTube. Um, and, and I think that's where higher ed should look if they're looking for a place to expand or build upon, especially whenever it comes to that recruitment audience, um, that's the place I would go. 
So let's dive. I know I'm jumping a little bit ahead in some of our planned uh, uh, questions, but let's dive a little bit into your content strategy. So how are you developing a strategy? How are you, you know, especially for YouTube and for Facebook, like talk a little bit about, you know, the different channels and how you're communicating on each of those channels. And then also what kind of content, you know, like what kind of videos do you have for YouTube? Like what would I even post three times a week? Like what would they want to watch? Yeah. So, so for us, the way that we um, strategize as an overall team, is um, we create semesterly goals. Um, I think having year long goals are way too, it's way too big of a space in social media time. Um, you know, at the beginning of this year, we were still thinking that Snapchat was a thing that we should prioritize. Now at the end of the, this year, we're putting all of that emphasis on Instagram and Insta stories. So if we had you know, a goal that was all year long, it would totally not be relevant anymore. So what we do, we set um, those semesterly goals and we tie them into our larger university goals. Um, and that would be one of my my biggest recommendations. And I'm sure a lot of you are already doing that, but um, to me, that's huge, especially as you're trying to get social media buy-in. Connect those goals that you have to those larger unit or institution goals that will help you because then whenever something works and you can tie it back to that main goal, you could say, look, social media helps with everything. It helps with those, um, accomplish those big things that the university um, or college or, or department wants to do. So um, for us, we, we do that. We set usually around three um, major key goals or themes um, each semester. Um, one is always around engagement from the recruitment side of things. Um, in the spring, we really focused on parents. Um, and, and because of that, we built for the first time a um, families page for um, admitted senior students, um, which was hugely successful. I think that's one of the best things we've done in the last couple of years. But Is that a web page or a it's a Facebook group. Oh, okay. It's a Facebook group. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I should have clarified that. But um, it was amazing because, you know, parents have to opt into that. Yeah. Um, so if they opt in, they want to be involved and engaged and that the, the audience in the group that we got was so phenomenal. I mean, they, I, I think, um, 85% of them logged on every single day, did some sort of engagement, whether it was a comment or liking a post or doing something, um, asking questions themselves. I mean, compared to everything else that we, you know, have on, a um, a, a a daily basis in terms of engagement that just blew it out of the water. So um, that that was one of our goals there um, in the spring and the fall. We focus much more on engagement with students um, and trying to get them to engage a little bit more, knowing that Gen Z is just not going to be as much out there and engage with us and and be as active um, as millennials were. So we're trying to transition and and, and get them. Um, to feel like they can engage with us. So um, as a university, we are always trying to push the academic mission um, mm -hmm. and the research that we do. Um, we are a land grant institution and biggest school um, in the state. So for that type of um, an audience, we really push that academic and research message. So, um, you know, we had that as a goal in both semesters that didn't really change, but the way that we ended up um, handling it was in the spring we focused a lot more on traditional videos um, this fall we focused a lot more on trying to show academics and research in our stories so instagram snapchat stories how can we get um, the research and academic across in those platforms so it always 
adapts and changes. Sexy? Like, how do you make that interesting of like, here's our research to, to 18 year old or a 17 year old, you know, like. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a challenge sometimes, but um, the great thing is that this generation more than any are really thinking about what they're doing in 10 years or 20 years. Um, and if we can try to show that our robotics research or the forensics stuff that we do on campus um, is real life, um, then there's a better chance that they come here and that they, they get attached to it because they have that story, that narrative that they see on social um, that then adds to all of the print materials and the web um, and, and the emails that they get. Um, so to, to me, that's, that's the piece that, that we bring to the table, trying to build that, I don't know, that student life, that, that perspective that, that they can see campus, they can see the things that go on, the things that they could be involved in. Um, so that's what we try to do. Do you change your language and your tone depending on the, the the platform that you're on and the audience that you're speaking to? Because I know if you tried to talk to my, you know, to a 13 year old, you know, niece, if you try to talk to her like you talk to her parents, you look at you like you're nuts. So, like, do you do you have to adapt to it, knowing that like more students are going to be or prospective students are going to be watching on YouTube than on Facebook or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. Um, we will be much. We're we're very intentional about every platform. Um, but we know, for for example, Instagram is a very young audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so and Snapchat is as well. So that will be the content that we put there and the way that we phrase it. Very very informal and conversational. Mm-hmm. Facebook, we try to keep it conversational because that's the way that the algorithm is forcing us to go. I mean, we have to focus on engagement to get people to see it. Um, so um, it has to be engaging from that perspective, but we can be more, we can be a little bit more long-winded or we can um, be, I, I think it's a little bit less informal from that side of things, just um, as we know um, um, what we're looking at, an older audience, higher educated, that type of a thing from, from a Facebook perspective for the most part. So um um, so yeah, we do change. We 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 definitely change um, with the platforms, and and we've changed over time too. That was one of the first things that I that I um, adapted whenever I took over our Twitter account and and started to run more of our social media um, five or six years ago. Was we needed to start. I, I use this example a lot, but we used to say hello. Um, then we started to say hi, and now we say hey. And I know that's a very subtle change in language. Um, but it goes to the way that we have kind of adapted to a more conversational, informal, younger tone. Um, so we've adapted that over a period of two, three years um, back in the day. Um, but that helped us. You know, it's not something that that changes overnight. Um, and I didn't want to do that either because you don't want to go from being a robot to then posting like memes. What's up, homie? Yeah. <laughs> yes, because that's just so confusing to to somebody. Um, uh, just you know, somebody on Twitter or somebody on Facebook. So um, it took time, um, but we eventually transitioned to where we are today, which is a full-fledged personality that really works with our university brand, but also works with how we think um, our our audiences want to be, um, what they want to see. So how how did you define your personality and and how you were going to engage and and make sure that you know your personality is authentic and consistent, even though it adapts to different platforms 
Mm -hmm. So um, the, the good thing that happened while we were trying to do this is we were also going through um, a rebrand um, and a new brand campaign. So there were there was a lot of research that was done around that prior to, to the launch. And um, we got to see what the true characteristic of our university was compared to a lot of our peers. Um, and, and so we started to adapt some of the things that, that we say um, and use some key phrases. Um, you know, we call this place home a lot. We used to say it was a second home. Now we just say home. Um, so there are some subtle things that we changed and adapted um, thanks to all of that. But really, it's just developing um, a consistent understanding um, of, of what this university is, what we speak to, what our expertise is in, um, and, and how we're different from other places. And we are. Um, being in Morgantown, um, the view and the scene, the scenery and all of that stuff is much different from other places. Oh, it's um, stunning. It's yeah, exactly. So in the fall, you know, with, with, um, the leaves changing everything, oh, that is no. huge for us oh. to be able to go out and get some nice visual content. Um, we take advantage of that. Um, but those are the types of things. We have great adventure sports and activities at the university. From the academic side of things, engineering, um, robotics, um, space science, and stuff like that. All of that stuff we really, really embrace. Um, and, and we push that stuff pretty hard. So that's, uh, that's all part of our personality. I love that. Um, it sounds a little bit by, like uh, WVU is a little bit of a nerd, but I like that. <laughs> yes, and, and that's exactly what we want to try to say from that. You know, we, we are a, a big school, a big public school with great athletics, but we do some nerd stuff too. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, and who doesn't like to be a nerd just a little bit, you know? Yeah, it's, it's awesome. cool now, right? <laughs> yeah, it's totally cool. <laughs> At least we're trying to make it cool, right? Yes, yes. So um, can you tell me about what tools you're using to manage social media? You talked a little bit about social listening before. So what tools have you found have been useful to either schedule things or listen to your audiences or, or reflect and engage? Mm -hmm. so, so right now we use Sprout Social um, to schedule and do some analytics. Um, in terms of the listening side of things, um, we are using the platforms themselves for the most part or products like TweetDeck to really get in there and, and see um, what's out there using um, product searches or um, area searches and trying to figure out you know who's saying what in and around our campus and things like that. So um, we do a lot without spending a ton. So we don't have a social listening tool um, that we spend thousands of dollars on each year. Um, I would love to have that. Budget-wise, it doesn't really make sense for us. So um, I, I go, um, right now at least, my philosophy is I'd rather have people um, and then we'll get the products later because I know that if I have good people and they're out there and they're listening, that engagement piece is is really key. Um, finding this stuff is one thing, but then going out and making sure we engage is, is another. Well, and you can have a million different products and be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, but if you don't have people that know how to implement it, it doesn't matter, you know? Exactly. I have a whole bunch yeah. of really great tools on to fix my car, but let's be honest, other than changing <laughs> my oil and a tire, I'm not much. Yes, yes. So honestly, I mean, having a tool like that would make our lives easier. Um, um, but I think most universities um, can and do get away without having something like that. 
Um, so we just keep on keeping on until we get that, that extra money to buy that next thing. Well, and for free, I have found that Google alerts is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I put in names of different professors or different programs, different colleges, and I can get them right in my email, you know, as soon as they happen or, you know, once, once a day and, and have it concise. Mm -hmm. I also love Google trends. Um, again, yeah. another free tool that you can go on. And I love what you said about having staff members that have a pulse on the community because again you can have all these tools that are telling you stuff but you don't need to be spending money on that it's better to have people that know the personality know what's going on out there and are connected than having a million tools i, I see so many universities just waste money on some tools that it's like oh we use it five times a year and it's costing us fifteen hundred dollars <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> yeah exactly yeah for sure Cool. So um, what tips and tricks have you found most effective in making a big impact on increasing engagement? So I, I think, great question. Engagement is, for us, the key. And I think in general, for just any anybody on social media right now, it's the thing. Um, like I said before, especially with Facebook and the way that the algorithm has changed earlier this year, you have to be engaged and um, with your audience. Otherwise, they're not going to see your content unless you pay a lot of money. Um, and I know a lot of us in higher ed are not fortunate enough to be able to spend thousands of dollars a month on paid ads. Um, or if you do, it's probably not on that organic content that you otherwise would be posting. So um, for us, it's it's huge. Um, we know that Gen Z, again, that's a, a group that is not engaging um, on their own um, necessarily, at least compared to what we were doing with millennials. So um, it's harder. It's harder to get them to talk back and forth with us. So yeah. one of the things we do is, is we build really, really good content. Um, that's the way we start out with all of this. Um, what I tell my team is that um, we have to post every day. That's just the, the beast of the algorithm and feeding that and making sure that you're that you're at least high enough to get seen. Um, so you do it every day. Not every single day do you have to make um, somebody interact. Um, we hope that we do, um, but every once in a while, um, depending on how big your team is, um, you should be doing a piece of content that makes somebody engaged that it's so good that it gives some sort of emotional reaction um or they they laugh they cry you know they 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 have some sort of emotion that helps them then feel like they have to respond whether with a retweet or a like or a share or a comment down below um and those are the types of things that we really focus on so for us we try to do that once a week um uh, and especially, you know, more than that, whenever we're, we're really busy, but try to find that piece of content that really makes, um, makes somebody remember you Keep that so that it's always in the back of their mind that we exist, um, for the recruitment process. That's really important. So, um, like what's, yeah, so, what's the one yeah. that has worked? So one thing that we we've done, um, and this is especially with the engagement side is we do a lot of Q and A's. Um, for specific audiences that we then put on our on our platform. So we used to do them on Snapchat. Um, because we saw Snapchat, our numbers kind of um, dwindle a little bit. We've moved that over to Instagram. Um, and we did a move-in Q&A um, prior to the start of the fall semester. I, guess, I think it was on August 2nd, maybe, if I had to guess. Um, and 
we emailed that out to all of our incoming students. Um, we also did one um, specifically for parents on that closed Facebook group that I talked about. So um, for that whole day, we used the Instagram Q and A um, feature that came out where you could ask a question and then um, they respond with those questions and, and we give some answers to them. Um, to me, that was the exact, um, it was a great way to engage with an audience that doesn't necessarily feel compelled to do it on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, we gave them the prompt and it was something that at that moment they were caring about, whether it was um, how big their rooms were, um, what size bed sheet they need, um, where do they go whenever they get to campus to be able to make sure that they're in the right place to park. You know, all those things that they're caring about, um, they don't want to call somebody um, to do that. That's not. Oh, they hate not the phone. Everyone right. hates the phone app. You're not texting, it's over. Exactly. If I can't find so, it online, I'm just going to wing it. Yes, exactly. So, if we're going, uh, so if, if our thought was if we can answer their question on Instagram while they're on it, perfect. So we ended up having, I think, 700 questions submitted throughout the day. We answered all of them. Um, some were repeats, so it was just kind of like referencing back to um, something that we posted before. Um, a lot of things happened within um, the direct message function as well. But um, that was that was something where we really forced some engagement out of people. Um, and we heard a lot from parents as well that that was the thing that really made move-in day and welcome week so much easier. They got all of their questions asked. And then we hear it from our parents' helpline phone number. I mean, their calls were way down because we helped answer them um, and, and did it digitally. So they um, they had a much more um, pleasant welcome week as well. So well, that's just that's, an example. That's absolutely brilliant because every single orientation at every university I've ever worked at or been to is so much information being thrown at you. It's the, was it drinking from a water hose, you know, or fire hose, mm-hmm. drinking from a fire hose. There's so much information coming at you that you can't process it. So giving them the opportunity or process, like even what questions do I need to be asking? Mm-hmm. So giving them an opportunity and a platform to be able to engage with you from their house and their jammies or whatever is really brilliant, you know, and, and, you know, maybe there's opportunities for us to save money and, and have the, you know, the orientations be more of, uh, here's, you know, here's, let's walk around campus. Let's show you where your classes are. Let's do some of those things. Talk about building a community. And then all of those information things that you need to know, let's save that for when they're at home and when they're worried about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I would say, um, is, is think about what, especially if you're focused on recruitment, think about what somebody doesn't see whenever they're on a campus tour. Mm. Um, as as potential social media content um, because they're not going to be able to see everything when they visit campus um, so what don't they see for us they don't necessarily get to see all of the residence halls mm-hmm. or they don't get to go into every building or they don't see a research lab so for us that's the stuff that starts to build content for us um, you know we can show off what the residence halls look like so whenever they are in this process right around this time um, after they deposit and they're looking to figure out where they want to live for the first year, um, we can help them. And that's the thing. If we build meaningful content that helps them, that's when they will feel like they can engage. We're giving them something. It's not just, you know, posting fun stuff without any meaning behind it. We're doing it with the idea that we're trying to help give them the information they need to pick the right school to go to. 
Um, so if you're talking about, uh, you mentioned like what kind of posts do you put on YouTube? It's yeah. exactly what we would put on YouTube because That's those are the types of things that the, in the back of their mind, they're like, you know, I really like WVU, but I don't know about this. Yeah. Well, there's this video showing you what this residence hall looks like, what your room could be, what the dining hall experience is like. Boom, answer that question right as you had it, so. Well, and I think it's smart that from a central location, you're building content to engage the student across the board. And at so many different institutions, it's very fragmented. If I want to learn about dining, I have to go to their social media page. If I want to learn about housing, I have to go to theirs. So have you found, like, how, how did you make sure you were facilitating that? So did you partner with each of those areas? Are you um, consolidating some of them? Because I know in my institution right now, even within one college, every single center and every single program has their own social account. And it's like, I don't think that everybody needs it. If you're not using your Twitter and your Facebook at least once a day, I don't think that you need to have your, your own accounts for things. So did, did you yeah. consolidate some of them? Is it so um, we we didn't necessarily consolidate, but we do it based on audience. So whenever it comes to the recruitment perspective, they, um, our students and our parents should know um, that there are three or four accounts that they should look at. Um, and they are the main overall. So main university accounts and our admissions accounts um, and our visitor center accounts. Those are pretty much the three. Um, Everything else is really current student focused. So from our student life perspective, from our dining perspective, from the residence halls, all of those are, are looking more from a, if you're a current student, you need to follow them on Twitter. Um, and they'll let you know the events that are happening in the residence halls, what the dining specials at the different dining halls are. Um, so we've segmented them that way. And that helps us from a recruitment side, because like you said, then we, kind of control that content and we create that. Um, so it all fits the same goal in the end. It's not, it all looks and feels the same. It has the same um, um, personality behind it and all of that. So that's kind of what we're doing um, from that perspective. And one of the things that I realized um, maybe two or three years into managing the social media at the university is that you are not going to get a handle on all of the accounts at a university as big as ours. Yeah. We have 30,000 students, so we probably have about 30,000 Twitter accounts. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, of clubs and organizations and schools and colleges. So what I do is I prioritize the ones that people are going to see most and the ones that we need to be most strategic with. Um, that's why, um, you know, the people on my team are focusing on, you know, the talent and culture. So from an employee recruitment um, and current employee standpoint, we have those nailed down. Um, from health sciences, that's a huge area for us right now um, in terms of the medical side of things. So controlling that message is really important. Um, so, so we've controlled those, but there are student organizations um, that are all over the place. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm, we don't have enough people to be able to wrangle all of those in, mm -hmm. that's okay. If they come to us for help, we will more than be happy to help them. Um, but for the most part, we just let them be and hope that everything goes well. We give them um, tips once a year and we update those tips on our website. Um, they check that out um, and as they start and build their communities and that's um, to the point where we help them um, unless they ask for more. Excellent. So we talked about trip, uh, ticks, trip. <laughs> tips and tricks. Oh my goodness, it's almost Friday. So you talked about tricks and tips um, to make it successful. Are there any um, 
you know, big things we should watch out for and not do? Is there anything that you've seen that your university has done or you've seen other universities that are like, oh my goodness, don't do that. So you talked a little bit about the robotic voice and just being on RSS feed and talking to them. And we want to stay away from that. Try to be as engaging as possible. What else do we need to make sure that we're avoiding? Um, I think I think one of the actually, and this may be a little bit controversial, but I think um, a lot of universities are heading this way. Um, I think I would start to avoid Snapchat a little bit um, and put much more emphasis on Instagram and YouTube. Um, what we found, so once Snapchat updated earlier this year, I think that was back in February, our numbers started to decrease significantly. Um, so for us, you know, we started to put less of an emphasis there. Um, and, and some of the things that we started to hear, which is, um, which we had heard um, at a smaller level two years ago is that um, students and prospective students don't necessarily wanna see and hear from a university on Snapchat, but they are much more likely to engage and wanna look and, and see what you have to offer on Instagram. So, to me, that's um, that's what we've done. We've shifted and we've put a lot of emphasis and actually think almost Instagram story first. Um, so everything kind of starts there and our content builds from that point. Um, if we use Snapchat, almost everything that we do on Snapchat these days are um, focused around student takeovers. Mm. So it's not necessarily the university pushing some message. It's more so um, a student that they can see that they can interact with that they can ask questions with um and and that's how we kind of manage that side of things so uh, more than any uh, anything i think um um i would say maybe don't do and use snapchat as much even though we've put such an emphasis over the last three or so years on it um the next thing that i do um especially for those of you that are one person teams out there um i i really strongly say focus on um, making the accounts that you have currently really strong before you add any. Um, I tell this to my colleges and schools a lot um, because they want to start to add a Snapchat or they want to add another platform. Um, and I say, before you do that, make sure you're happy with the accounts that you have. Mm -hmm. I would much rather you have a really strong Facebook and a really strong Twitter before you jump in for Instagram mm -hmm. because you need that infrastructure to be able to build an Instagram account. You need to be able to have the visuals to be able to post to an Instagram feed. And Instagram is really two different platforms. It's the feed and it's stories. Mm -hmm. So that's, to me, that's two different platforms all in one. Um, so to be able to jump into that, you've got to be really prepared and have the time. So make sure you have your infrastructure down first and then build the additional accounts on top of that. So. I think that's brilliant. And with what you said about Snapchat is right on. And we were so eager to get into it because so many students were using it. And what I found is that after the update, they're not using it anymore. They're like, forget this. It's too difficult to use. I'm getting bombarded with stuff from ads and, and they're just totally deleting it from their phone. So if there's opportunities for us to leverage Instagram is from what I'm told is where it's at. Um, and like, I think we were talking before about how like Yik Yak, you know, it was in and it was out and, and you know, how does that happen? And, you know, I think Snapchat's on its way out, similar to how Facebook is, you know, if, if you're young, you're not really using it, which is always challenging for, uh, I think, student organizations, because they're still using that as like one of the primary sources. So, yeah. And, what, and honestly, one of the things that we say um, at the university is that they may not be using Facebook on a daily basis, but they are probably on it. 
Oh yeah. Many of them are. So um, that's why we put such an emphasis on those closed groups, because if you are um, joining a closed group, you're doing it because you want to be involved in it. Um, so the updates that you see, you probably want to know a little bit more about. So um, for us, that's where we are kind of headed. Um, we're not really, I don't think we're going to stop with our um, closed parents, um, senior parent group. I think we're, we're looking at ways and, and pockets around campus that we can um, build those closed groups and have those more focused conversations because that seems to be um, where, where things are headed. But I think that's brilliant, having the closed parent group. I think that's a really good idea. Mm -hmm. so, all right, great. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time. This was incredibly helpful and very, very interesting. Um, you know, that this was awesome. Thank you so much, Tony. Perfect. I'm happy to help. Thank you so much for, for uh, letting me um, say my piece. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you always to our program sponsor, M. Stoner, and to everyone else, have a good day.